following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. To make and mature disciples together. Really, that says we're here about evangelism and about spiritual growth. Evangelism, just a 25-cent spiritual word for teaching other people about new life in Christ, what it means to have the Lord as our Savior. And spiritual growth, getting to know the Lord more, to become more like Him. From last week, Pastor Heath talked to us about two of those 25-cent words, justification and sanctification. We learned that justification... The fact that in the eyes of God, when I have Christ as my Savior, our Heavenly Father looks at me and doesn't see my sin, just as if I didn't sin, justification. And we learned that that's not something we do. It's not like singing in the choir or playing up front or reading Scripture or praying a lot. No, it's something that was accomplished at the cross. It's something that Christ did for us because of our sinful nature. He brought us back to have union with the Father again. And then we looked at sanctification. Sanctification, sanctifying, the process of becoming holy, the process of getting closer to Him, getting to know Him more, getting to be more like Him. And that that's a process that goes on presently. Once we've given Christ control of our lives, that we start a process by the power of the Holy Spirit to get our lives transformed and become more like Him, to become more in the image of God, to get closer to Him. Paul's pastoral concern to these Philippian Christians is that they model their faith and practice after legitimate Christian leaders. Leaders like Paul and Timothy, Silas, Epaphroditus. And he cautioned them to reject those who, well, he had some nice words. He called them dogs and evildoers. He said, you've got to be able to tell who is it that's representing God and who is it that's not speaking the truth. And you need to emulate those who are following God. And the foundational issue he wrestled with with these Philippian Christians was that they were not saved by works of Jewish law, but by faith, by trusting in Christ. And And he's talked some about those that were insisting on Jewish circumcision because that's going to make you right with God. And he's saying, no, that's not it. You know, you trust and believe in what Christ did on the cross and that he did it for you. Paul insists that it's faith, not works, that saves us. And so we're going to take a look at Philippians 3. We'll start in verse 17. I don't know if we're able to get it up on the screen or not, but we're going to look at that in your pew Bibles, page number 981. And it's a challenging section because here Paul is saying, look to me and look to these other guys about how you should behave. Here's what he says. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, Many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. 
They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul has to be pretty confident in where he is in the Lord when he turns to these people and says, Brothers, join in imitating me, keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Well, how many of us would be ready to say that to a new friend? You know, join me. Imitate me. Paul wasn't puffed up, and Paul wasn't trying to say, I'm such a great, great guy. But he was saying, I'm following Christ, and these other guys you're listening to are not. Have discernment and look to the ones who are leading correctly. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. I remember my dad teaching me that, and he wasn't teaching it from a scriptural basis. He was just a parent. And when he saw me hanging with the wrong kids, he'd be quick to remind me that those bad influences aren't good. I hope we all know how profoundly we're influenced by the company we keep. That's why Paul's in uh, advising these Christians and us. That's why he says, I want you to imitate me and others like me rather than the bad company. See, he's coming back to the guys he called dogs and evildoers and the people who were leading them astray and teaching bad things. He said, you've got to know, don't follow them. That Greek word that's translated example, those who walk according to the example that you have in us, it's got a number of meanings, and it includes a person who bears the image of another person. And Paul is saying, like I reflect the image of the Lord that I serve, like I'm, I, as you see Christ in me. Interestingly enough, it also that Greek word also refers to a blow that leaves an imprint. It's like what they used to do with a wax seal, and they put it on the document and then have the, the tool there and hit it with a hammer, and it would leave an impression. Paul represents his own life as that kind of an impression, that he made an imprint on the lives of others, his associates, the people that he mentioned, and that it's a worthy that it's worthy of imitation. Paul is not the first one in Scripture to notice the importance of the company we keep. Uh, the author of Proverbs says in 13.20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the company of fools will suffer harm. <laughs> and this isn't the only time that Paul counsels the, the Christians to imitate him. He told the Corinthian Christians, be imitators of me, as I am in Christ, in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. But verse 17 of the scripture we read this morning is important because it reveals the source of Paul's trustworthiness. Paul imitates Christ, and so he's become an, a trustworthy guide for the people who can follow with confidence. 
to the Thessalonian church, Paul wrote, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anybody's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. And it was not because we don't have a right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. That's from 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 9. Knowing the value of a Christ-like example, Paul says to young Timothy, who he's um, prepped for ministry, and he says, Timothy, let nobody despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. Set them an example in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith, and in purity. He wrote that to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. And notice Paul says, join in imitating me. This process of spiritual growth is supposed to take place in the context of community. Our spiritual growth is not intended to be a solitary act. It's not like, okay, I understand what Christ did for me. I've asked him to come into my life, and now it's up to me. I'm going to grow. I'm going to get closer to him. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to do these things. It's supposed to take place in the context of community. I plagiarized a little bit this morning. I'm going to see if we can put a, a clip up on the screen. She recently posted an acronym on, on one of her Facebook posts about disciple. And you know, an acronym, how you take the D and you say something in this. And so I wanted to share that with you. And I know it's hard to see on the screen, but the D is dive into Scripture together. Remember now I'm saying our spiritual growth is intended by God to happen in the sense of community, not solely in community. The I, involve yourself in their life. The S, spirit-filled guidance. The C, creatively dream about their purpose. I, Initiate sharing the gospel. P, pray for them and with them. L, lead by example. And E, evaluate skill and character in light of the Great Commission. But you see, when you look at discipling that way, it's clear that it becomes something done in the sense of community, not by yourself. You join in what God has. I remember Blackaby's uh, often saying in his writings, that Henry Blackaby, see what God is up to and join him in it. You know, the sense of community with others. That acronym for disciples, discipling was based on a scripture reference of Acts 18.26. Uh, and the person they're talking about is Apollos. Apollos, And it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. 
what they were doing is discipling in, this, in the context of community, together coming alongside and helping. Notice they didn't ridicule him publicly when he was speaking. They didn't say, oh, that's wrong. And ch-. No, it says they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. That's joining in the community for spiritual growth. In verses 18 and 19 of the text we read this morning, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even in tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindsets on earthly things. Those folks were not guided by self-sacrificial service to other people. They were guided by their own desires. There's not something special about gluttony that he's trying to get at in that scripture. He's simply using this desire of their belly to say they were after what they were after. They were after what made them feel good. They were after what they wanted. These people had not denied Christ by the profession of their words, but Paul says, no, they denied Christ by their behavior, by what they did. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. Why? Because they refused to conform to the pattern of humility and self-sacrifice that led Jesus to the cross. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you can discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what Paul's calling the Philippian people and us to do and to model. There's an old adage that says, He's so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good. And Paul says just the opposite. Paul says in those last few verses of chapter 3, you must be heavenly minded if you're going to be any earthly good. we got to remember that we're on a journey. You know, When we go home, when we have the safety of that, when we get into bed at night or have a meal around the table, that's not where our security is. Our security is knowing that we're we're sojourners. We're on a journey. We know that Christ has done what he, he did what he did on the cross for us. What he's done is also go to prepare a place for us. In John 14, 1, you know, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and take you to be with me. I look forward to the time when I'm ushered into that presence. In the meantime, I want to get to know him more. I want to get to draw closer to him. I want to be more ready to meet him than I am right now. And so scripture teaches we got to keep pressing forward. We got to keep straining is the way Paul said. We got to strain for what's he- what's ahead. And he wasn't talking about tomorrow or work or relationship. He's talking about our a place with him in that day to come. Are we working here on earth to be worthy of him? No. We've been justified already, remember? Just as if I didn't sin. It's this sanctification process through the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to get to know Christ more fully. Remember Paul said back in chapter 3, a few verses back in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I might know him. He didn't say that I may know about him. 
but that I may know him. And that word know in Greek is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, gnosis. And that means I want to get to know him by experience. I want to know him by experience. I've talked to, uh, to some of you before with this analogy, I think, but when, when your folks are teaching you as a child that you don't want to touch the wood stove because it's hot, They've told you. You've trusted that you've trusted Dad in the past. You know if you touch the wood stove, it's hot. Because Dad told you that. But the day your curiosity gets the best of you and you touch the wood stove, gnosis. You just now know by experience that sucker's hot. Paul said, That's the way I want to be with my Lord. I want to experience him. I want to know him because I, I'm, I'm a, he's a part of me and we're in this together. I want to experience Christ. How do we go through that process? How do we get there for what Paul is asking of the people in Philippi and of us? Maybe you can challenge yourself by, you know, um, Linda goes and gets these little notepads ready each week and she puts them in the pews along with the, the Bibles and things. Um, it's okay if the kids use those for scratch pads, but they could be there for you too. It's okay to take notes and write down or say, I had a question about this, or put a scripture verse that you're going to come back to in the afternoon. Maybe you can then revisit. Paying attention when the word is preached is one of those ways you get to know him better experience his word. Maybe during the week you get to go to the Crosswords, uh, Crossroads webpage and listen to the last week's sermon. Maybe at the same time you take your notes. You go back and listen again. And you've got your scripture open and you're going over it one more time. Or maybe you gather together in the middle of the week to help each other grow. Could be around last week's message, could be around something else. Getting into a small group Bible study. Praying together in your homes or at church Wednesdays or Thursdays. And when the prayer list comes out, those of you that are on the email list, and, and if you're not, um, who do you speak to? Well, let Peg know, and we'll get it to Heath. He's not here today, but we'll get you on the email list. But after the group meets here to pray on Wednesdays, the list goes out by email that we've prayed about here Sunday morning and anything new that may have come up to the prayer group on Wednesday morning. And that will arrive in your email box. Don't just scan over it. Don't just say, oh, I know what that is. And it says weekly prayer list in the tagline. Stop and pray over those concerns. That's why the list is there, so that we'll use it. So that if you do get together with other folks during, during the week for whatever, that as believers together in the body of Christ here, you can grab that list and lift up one more time the praises and the prayers that are there from our church family. That's one of the ways we do this together in community. We sang about it this morning, what a privilege it is to take everything to him in prayer. 
And yet my fear is that many just scan over that email and don't stop to take time to pray. Second Peter 3.18 says, You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To all glory to him, both now and forevermore. And as we sang, our heart's desire needs to be, Lord, make me like you. Make me like you. I like the way John DeBrine finished his song time ministry from the Cape each week. Come, let us grow in grace so we don't groan in disgrace. The body of Christ, together, we grow, we get stronger. You can start some of that growth this week because I guarantee you uh, that as Heath comes back next Sunday morning, be prepared for Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and forward. Get into the Word this week a little. Read it. See if you even have questions about what's there. Be ready as God's Word comes next week and we celebrate together. And we remember that we're all a part of the community, the community of faith. If you have never taken a time to work with another brother or sister in spiritual growth, discipling is a fancy term for that, pray about who it is God might link you up with. And I'd like to think that that kind of a commitment could be like for a year. That someone God would put on your heart and say, we're going to spend time together. We're going to get to know each other. You get to know when each other's birthdays are, what their hobbies are, where, what they, where they work, where they live. And, and you spend time growing together in the Lord for a year's time. And that's kind of a two-way street. Because as you look for that, you'll be looking for someone that you think can be blessed by where you are in your walk with the Lord. But you also need to be looking for someone who can take you a little bit deeper. Someone who can help you to grow in your own stand as well. And make that kind of commitment. And uh, you'd be amazed at what God will do with us as we grow together in Christ. Let's close as we do today and uh, lift up Heath and Carol Ann. Finishing up a week at camp and uh, praying as they get back. Um, I know Carol Ann has, she does have a job for this next year. That's good. It was not 30 hours a week, only 29, so she doesn't get benefits with it. Um, but we'll keep praying for that. And many of you know she's headed back to school to get certified uh, so that she can be classroom teacher. She has a degree now in social work, but we need to, she wants to be able to get the one step more where she can get into the classroom. And, uh, and we pray for that. And I know that uh, Heath will be anxious to be back in, back in the swing of things. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the challenge that you have given us from this letter in Philippians, the challenge to help one another grow, the challenge to be discerning, to know which voices are representing you and which are not. Guide us, Lord, in those that we follow, not that we lift them up, but that we learn of Christ through them. And Father, we pray your blessing on the Keniston family as they uh, wrap up this week at camp. I pray that it has been a blessing for them. I pray, Father, for strength, for energy, as they dig into the week ahead. And bless them, Lord, as they come back home. We give you thanks for the ministry you have led them here to lead us in. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, 
Checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.